You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Welcome back to Fly on the Call. Today I'm talking to Judy from the band Record Setter, diving deep on their album I Owe You Nothing, which was one of the handful of heavier sounding records that made it into my rotation last year. Touche Amore is probably the easiest for fans of comparison. Record Setter's music spans the emo screamo gamut, never letting you settle in one place for too long. Our conversation focuses on the unique structure of the album and the experience of recording it in full, and making a good way through the mixing process before deciding to tear it all down and re-record from scratch. We also talk a lot about honesty, the lyrical evolution of the band, and a whole lot more. Enjoy. I wanted to start out by talking about something I didn't really immediately grasp just because of the way I tend to listen to music, which is by putting an album on and just letting it play all the way through. And obviously that's a strength of I owe you nothing as well. Um, but it wasn't until I took a look at the track list that I saw how most of the tracks have their own groupings within the album and I was really able to get a better understanding of the structure of the record. Um, can you talk a little bit about that and kind of how the songs relate to each other? Just got very obsessed with, uh, triptychs of like you know these three huge paintings that were kind of um telling a story across them and uh they were just very dense with meaning whenever i was looking at them and so i started talking to the band about doing a musical triptych of like doing this three-part thing where it's like and i want it to be like 30 minutes flat of music and like three parts where it was like the first part is 10 minutes the second part is 10 minutes third part's 10 minutes and uh but you know it's basically like the first half of like uh, i owe you nothing was going to be like the first part you know uh like 10 minutes or so so they were all kind of slammed together and i was writing them in this very long form and the more i talked to people about it and the longer that we were like kind of thinking about actually putting that out we were just like that's really inaccessible <laughs> and like seems like you know if we just like put that out like so many people like would not even listen to it just because it's like three 10 minute tracks they, they they're gonna think it's like some black metal like release or something and they would just like be so turned off by it and i don't know so we kind of uh backed off of that a little bit and then just kind of exploded the album out like split it up um into 10 uh really instead of like um the initial idea so those first like four songs or so really flow because because they all are kind of uh one splitting them though i split them where i really thought mostly where they made sense musically but then also lyrically it kind of makes sense to 
once I had made the splits where like the lyrics of the first song all kind of go together. And then there's a bit of different lyrics in the second song and a bit of different lyrics in the third song. And it wasn't really thought out as three different songs. So it's interesting that it, um, you know, played out that way, but I'm, I'm happy with the quick changes and stuff rather than the long mass of music. I think, I think more people are, are, are like listening to it as well. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it would be somewhat of a jarring experience, like having just one of the, one of the shorter songs, like come on and like your Spotify shuffle or something. <laughs> yeah. That was something we talked about um, that we did talk about a lot. The first time we were like in the studio and was trying to explain kind of the, the changes. Cause we recorded the first three, like all it was out as one, but while we were recording it, I was telling them like, you know, but this is really three songs like this, you know, we're doing this all at once and it's like five and a half minutes or so, but it's really three songs. I'll show you exactly where they split and stuff. And they were like, do you really want to do that though? Like, this is just going to start with like feedback and a drum roll and it's like, well, yeah, yes, but I know it's like, it doesn't really matter. And it is going to be awkward when it just comes on on Spotify, like, you know, feedback. And then the song just starts like, what is this? But it, I, I didn't want to think about that because then if I tried to adjust for that, then the album would feel weird. It would feel like, and there would be these stops and starts and these kind of intros to songs and stuff. And I just wanted it to kind of really go along Um not re really repeat parts very much. I, I wanted to keep it dense and compact. Yeah, for sure. And, and now that it's been out for like a few months, have you noticed, do people seem to be taking it in as an album rather than the individual tracks? I think so for sure. Uh, whenever people have talked to me about it or, or, or messaged me or anything, it really seems like they're talking about the album and they're, they, they really like, like the whole thing or they like how the songs flow together and stuff like that. Um, if there is a song, I, I think that the uh, a portrayal is kind of uh, one that people definitely listen to by itself. It seems like it seems to have like the most plays and stuff. I think um, I would have to look again, but I, I think that's the one that people seem to kind of be like taking out of the album, which is fine. If I, I don't really care how people listen to it, but I think that that one does stand alone very, very well. Like, that one and an explanation i think have the most like fully formed i guess like as a song if you're just going to listen to just that one it's like it gives a pretty good idea of the whole album you know just from listening to that song so i think it's cool for sure and it's interesting that you brought up those two songs because i feel like that that set of three like a portrayal an impression and an explanation kind mm -hmm. of fit really well together as kind of like this journey of like self-exploration and kind of like actualization. Can you t talk a little bit about sure. uh, those songs? Sure. Yeah. Um, the, the oldest one of those is, would definitely be um, an impression. I, I used to play that song by myself. Actually, I wrote that song as a, so like a solo song. I didn't change any words or anything for it. And it, basically sounds exactly like that except it's just a lot heavier and and i scream and stuff on the record setter one and with the acoustic i play it pretty much exactly like that but just it's quieter the dynamic it doesn't get as crazy but it, it does the same thing the structure is the same and all that and that song i wrote when i was in a i was married um i, I wrote that when we wrote purge so back in like 
late 2016, early 2017, probably is when I when I would have written that song. Or maybe it was after we recorded Purge, I wrote it because it's in a different tuning and stuff. I was messing around. I, I probably found it sometime in there. So I've been playing that one for a while. And then a portrayal I wrote when I was living in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Me and my partner, we moved out there for a little while after I put out Purge. And uh, I wrote that one. And that initially I thought was going to be the end of the album. I had that kind of as the closer and of like whenever it was that you know those three long songs together or whatever that was going to be like the last you know four minutes or so was going to be a portrayal but the exploration of self you know there there's a lot there like with the with the with writing the song while i was married and stuff there was a lot that was like being unsaid and a lot that was like kind of kept under wraps you know to kind of keep the relationship going i guess and not just gender uh things you know all sorts of stuff um addiction and stuff like that and so that song kind of is wrapped up a lot of that you know kind of playing a part that you're maybe not so much and then for me i think i you know i think an explanation is like kind of the song that just explains like what i owe you nothing is supposed to kind of mean it's like you know, just like, I'm just here, like, I'm just like living my life, you know, and like, I, I'm confused, like other people are confused. I'm just maybe confused about different things. And like, I, I don't really feel like I have to explain everything to people. Uh, but there's often a pressure to, I guess. But yeah, just kind of not not giving in, you know, you, you don't have to explain every little thing you do or or feel you know you can kind of just do things and feel things <laughs> definitely yeah and I, it's kind of interesting like you mentioned purge which you know reading around it's like that was kind of intended as a breakup record but yeah sort of ended up being like this half step to honesty that showed you what was possible and kind of led to i owe you nothing definitely so can, can you talk a little bit about that kind of like change in mindset and like your writing and you know kind of how it developed that way yeah i i uh I come from like a super sheltered background, you know, like we grew up, me and my brother uh, who plays drums um, is my brother. So we, we grew up in the same house and everything. And we grew up like Pentecostal and then switched to like, a, a, you know, more non-denominational, but it was like ex-Pentecostal church and stuff like that. So we grew up very sheltered, very Christian. We weren't allowed to listen to like secular music or anything like that and so it was like just a sheltered time and there was a lot of stuff like i'm like i was kind of talking about before of like being in a romantic relationship is like as a kid there was like a lot of stuff that like you couldn't say or couldn't do or couldn't think or whatever and like if you did it was like really bad time and so you kind of learn to just like fake stuff i guess um and that that came out in all kinds of ways in my life. And like my music was definitely one of them where like I would write these songs and then like it would be timed for lyrics and I would maybe have something to say. But it's like I would just like make it so cryptic or I would like reel back so much to where it's just like I'm not even saying anything. It's just like these kind of meaningless lyrics because like I'm scared of like someone hearing it or like my mom like knowing what I'm saying or some shit. And like so you just like you 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 disguise it and like make it more and more cryptic to the point that it's like nonsense. 
And with Purge, I don't know what it was. It was like, you know, it's just like right time and everything, I guess, where I was writing that album and kind of like right in the middle of writing it, it was like, boom, I realized that I was trans and it was like, whoa, like what the hell? Like all this, it was such a weird time and like, like kind of um, uprooting in like so many ways. Cause like everything was different. And I, I know that some people like when they have their realization and stuff and they move forward and stuff, it's not like as much of a change, but for me, it was really like a whole life kind of like, dying off behind and then like i'm like where do i go now it was it was very disorienting for me so the lyrics like i was still like kind of hesitant to like just be super straight up with what i was saying but i was like i definitely wanted to say something more like meaningful and i put more thought into those lyrics than i had before and people like connected with it and that was what i was kind of like oh whoa it does matter, you know, because <laughs> I kind of always been I, I don't know a lot of lyrics, like even my favorite songs and stuff. I don't know a lot of the lyrics and I've always just been more of a music person. But the, you know, telling a true story and being honest and like writing what, you know, like that stuff is like really real, like all that stuff they teach you in school is so real because people do connect with it. Yeah. And can you talk a little bit more about like what you know, noticing those connections looked like? Yeah. I, I mean, like it was, it was quick. Like, like whenever we put out purge, like it was like the first or second show that we played after that. And we hadn't played a show in like a year or so probably. And like someone like knew the words, it was like two or three people, but they like knew the words and they like came up and talked to me afterwards and they're like homies now, but we had never met before. And they like just, you know, they like just connected with it and they're like just like singing the words. And I'm like, what in the world? That's that's like really cool. Just like these Denton people, they like this music, like, you know, and like, I, I don't know. It was just being honest in a song. It was very revelatory to me because I always kind of used lyrics as just filler, like kind of on top, like I was talking about. Um but yeah, like actually saying something, actually giving something people to kind of grab onto, uh, they do. And then like at other shows, like this girl came up to me one time and she was like asking who we were. And she was saying that she, she was like, I was over here looking at merch and y'all started playing that first song. And I heard you said, I'm a person, I'm real. And what, and I had to run in here. And like, because I was like, that's me. And she was talking about, she has like uh, DID or something she was saying. Um, so she struggles a lot with dissociation and stuff like that. And uh, she was like, you know, that lyric that really like hit me, that really like means something. And I, I just like little moments like that early on, it was very eye-opening, um, very eye-opening. And then of course the gender thing, you know, it's like every, like every day I see people, you know, following us and stuff. And they're like young, you know, trans people. A lot of times, if you look at their account or anything, it's like they've just come out or something, or they're, you know, fresh out or, you know, it's like, so it, you know, it's, it's cool. It's cool to be able to, you know, be in a place where people can look, look to, I guess, you know, cause I never saw trans people when I was growing up, like literally never, uh, so kids knowing what it is and 
knowing that it might be what's wrong with them too. You know, I that that's kind of cool to me, I guess. For sure. And, and it's interesting, like you mentioned, those kind of first places that you were seeing people make the connections were at shows. And now with I owe you nothing being like you're really like laid all out on the album record and you haven't been able to play any shows, how have you kind of dealt with like that kind of dissonance? Yeah, it's been it's been hard. Like I I really wanted to play a release show uh here in Denton like so bad, but you know, it's just it was not at all possible, of course. Um but it would have been so awesome to do like a cuz you know, we wanted to do like, you know, the whole thing, or you do a release show and then you go out for a couple weeks or something and come back to another home show and then chill for a while and and plan a plan a longer one or something you we, we kind of wanted to try we've never toured before or anything like that so with iou nothing we put more work into it and you know, we got signed and stuff so we were like yeah we're, or we were hoping to get signed i should say we were hoping to get signed so we were like yeah we definitely want to tour and blah 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 but yeah it sucks you know like like our music is definitely like a live thing i'm glad people like the album but it is definitely a live, a live thing. You know, it's really loud and I think it hits pretty hard. And so seeing it, it's just a much different experience. And it's, it's, you can't really replace it as good, even as good as the album sounds. I mean, you can't like replace uh, actually feeling that air move and stuff like that and actually talking to people and everything like that. It's so important. But the e gigs have been cool. And, regardless of it like being a pandemic and everything it's the you know it's kind of the most recognition we've gotten it's you know we've definitely sold more records and you know we're on top shelf now which is like a dream um so it's been going great but yeah i really wish we could play shows (laughs) uh and it's turned into more of kind of an online thing where people people will like reach out to me or or they'll tweet at us or something you know kind of expressing their feelings about the the music which is is really nice still uh, to to kind of get that feeling that yeah people are connecting with it and enjoying it for sure. And you mentioned that kind of like all in type of mentality going into the record, and I, I saw like multiple mentions of it being recorded twice. But I would really love to hear more about that because I feel like there weren't any details associated with that. Like, what did that kind of look like for you? Yeah, uh, so we had been working on it like through kind of through like 2019. I had been writing it before that. Um, after we put out Purge, you know, I kind of started writing it and stuff. But as far as collaborating on it and getting it ready to record, we were working on it through like 2019 and set to record early 2020. And I was wanting to put it out in like maybe late March or April. Um, or I'm sorry, uh, like April or May is when I was wanting to put it out, I think, if I remember right. And we decided to go with a with some friends of ours who who run a we're doing a little studio in like a house that we uh, played shows at a lot and stuff. And they're real good at what they do. And they had made a couple things that we liked. And so we decided to try them out instead of with Michael Briggs, who was who we recorded Purge and uh our split songs with and so we went over there and it was just a different it was a bit of a different vibe um i guess and we started whenever we whenever we were planning to record 
we were talking with the you know the two engineers about about playing to a click and so we practiced a little bit and i started trying to tempo map stuff out and i just kind of got the feeling that it was going to be a lot more trouble than it was worth <laughs> um to record this album to a click and we didn't record purge to a click we didn't record the split songs to a click my solo stuff i don't use click I, I i play with a click i practice with a click and stuff but i don't like recording with one and so it kind of that was part of it i guess was like not using a click and it was a bit odd i think it was a bit different workflow and then it was just the first swing at the album and like i say it was a different place and they were in the process of moving me and my brother were moving like there was one day where we were tracking guitar we were trying to get a, a tone for guitars rather so we were working a lot on that and then we started tracking and then my brother was like yeah the landlord's like coming like tonight and i had all my stuff like like jake was way ahead of me on the move and stuff but <laughs> all my stuff was still there it was a huge mess and i was like okay i gotta like do something and so I had to go and like leave and like clear out all my stuff and get like a junk truck to come and like take a bunch of shit out so that the house could be empty by that night. And then like go back to the studio and try to record more and like all this stuff. It was just not ideal for like a, a bunch of reasons, I think, but it was sounding great. Like we were, we were stoked on the songs and everything and we were feeling good about it. And so we kept pushing through and pushing through and we got, got all the way to the end where we had tracked the whole fucking thing and then we were sitting around waiting and the pandemic hit like right after we finished it's like it came over onto you know our soil and whatever and <laughs> like every everything started you know slowing down and the mixes started slowing down like i say they were moving studios and then like there was like some job stuff that happened and all that kind of stuff everything just slowed down and we had like half the album of like first mixes of like half the album. And it was already past time, like of what I had wanted to release by and stuff. So we were already like plans had already drastically changed. And we were just sitting and listening and listening and listening for like six months. And it was like, I think we need to redo this. <laughs> That's just kind of what it had. Cause it was like, we didn't have, you know, we didn't have the full mix and master of everything. We had about half and we were just listening to it. And there was like production stuff and performance stuff. It wasn't just like, you know, we thought that we were bad or we thought that 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 they did a bad job or something. It wasn't anything like that. It was just like time, like sitting around, I think, more than anything. And so, yeah, we decided like, you know, I think we just need to go to Michael because because I think like that's the sound that i think we're we're looking for and there's this part and this part and this part where we need to do this this and that you know like that kind of stuff we had a very like a lot more organized kind of approach at it and so yeah we just kind of ate it we ate we, you know, we kind of took that on the head and then went in with michael and knocked it out in like two or three days i think and it was a blast and michael briggs is like the absolute goat of a of a producer especially for diy stuff he's amazing yeah i think that's really cool how it was kind of like this extended demo phase yeah it, it really was and and you know it, it it was like 
at the time it was really stressful because you know i don't have like money and stuff and so the cost of it was it you know it's it was like not nothing uh, you know for me um so i was stressing about that but now after the fact you know it's all taken care of and everything's fine and like but yeah looking on it it was like this long pre-production thing kind of without even knowing it <laughs> and it it really did make i mean it was so invaluable like uh doing it that way where we had those two those two tries and fully tracking the album in a studio twice like it was yeah it, it really made a difference for uh what what we ended up putting out and you probably have a better association with the end product given the, the circumstances were slightly better the second time around. Yeah. Right. It was just, it was just very stressful. Like I I'm a, I'm a very Zen kind of like when I'm recording, it's like, I, I need to be in that like tunnel vision mode where it's like, that is all I'm thinking about is like, is what we're doing. Like it's all I'm thinking about. I'm there like the whole time when I go to sleep, it's like what I'm thinking about when I wake up, it's what I'm thinking about that guitar tone or that drum tone or whatever. It's like, I have to be like tunnel visioned in and like, so locked into it that that day that we were moved, it was like traumatic. Like, I'm not even lying. Like that day that I had to, like, I was trying to set my guitar tone and advise Kyle with his, and then we were trying to track and then we were doing some bass and then I had to leave and go get rid of all my stuff and then come back. It was, it was awful. It, yeah, it was not great. It was just not like the recording experience that I think you should have to go through. <laughs> and I'm curious, like, is the, you know, the benefits of the extended process, like, is that something that you see kind of affecting the way that you write and record in the future? Yeah, I, I mean, absolutely. Like, I would love to have a kind of budget or support for like, you know, like an actual like, long form, like, recording process like back in the day like i've been watching lately i've been watching a lot of um stuff of just like bands that i like like from kind of that mall core time like the used or under oath or my kim or sayosin or anything like that like those bands and they're making those like multi hundred thousand dollar studio records where they're writing and recording in the studio for like six to twelve months and it's like like Sayosin on that Beatle album took a, a solid month just tracking the vocals. And it's like, I tracked IOIN in a day, you know, it's like, it's like, what would it sound like if I had a month to, or, or even a week or two, you know, what, what could, what, I don't know, maybe I could do something cooler, stuff like that. Like, I would love to take a long time to, to really think out, um, an album in the studio like that because it is so different like crafting a song and getting a song together to hit and play live it's so different than what you need to do in the studio to make those albums sound the way they sound so i i would love to have you know three months on a record that would be great and what were some of like the the biggest changes between that the album as it stood after that first recording session and you know the final product yeah, I I, uh, I talked a little bit about this on the E word, but um, it was the the first pass was a lot more kind of abrasive. Honestly, it was it was more uh, like mid rangey and kind of 
noisier, like, um, you know, the, the vocal treatment on I Are You Nothing. Obviously, there's a little bit of kind of like distortion or clipping on it, you know, kind of tube compression sound on it um, where it clips a little bit. But on the original one, we were literally running it through a rat like distortion pedal uh, in, into the computer. And so it sounded, it, it sounded absolutely insane. It was so like noisy and just like vocals through a distortion pedal. It sounded so cool to me though. Cause I, I, I like that kind of stuff a lot and I like noise music and stuff. So I was kind of, I think I was pushing it a little bit to learn that abrasive side where it was like a lot of feedback, a lot of, distortion on the voice a real crunchy kind of bright bass sound um the drums were super compressed and real roomy sounding um all that kind of stuff and then when we went to michael's after we were like sitting and listening and listening to it and stuff i was like yeah it needs to be like it needs to cover more like dynamic range than this it needs to be like bigger a little bit more scooped out than this like Cause I, I like the super mid focus noisy stuff for like my guitar and my voice. But as far as the band, you know, that bass needs to be super low end and Kyle's guitar needs to sound crisp and the drums need to sound open, all that kind of stuff. So, so Michael really helped with that kind of realizing, you know, me kind of talking with Michael and realizing like how we wanted it to, to sound. So it sounded listenable, but also like hit hard and stuff. And then, the other big choice was uh, we were kind of going back and forth of like how bassy, uh, like like how bass forward to make it. And we ultimately decided to go with like the most bass forward um, mix that we have ever put out, because I think it gets across the kind of feeling of like when you see a band live, there's a lot more low end than is on the record. And like I say, that air from the speaker cabinets, it actually moves and you feel it in your chest and all that stuff. And I was kind of trying to get a little bit of that feeling across by just having a lot of bass in the record. I was also listening to a lot of kind of electronic music, like Dream Crusher and 100 Gex and stuff like that and Wicca and stuff. So I was, I was, I kept feeling like there wasn't enough bass, like, because that kind of music has so so much i'm such a sucker for alternate versions do you ever see yourself uh releasing the original mix i i don't know we we actually don't have it um right right we we just we kind of walked and we kind of just left it left it where it was because it was unfinished but uh we could i don't know that would be it would be interesting if like in 10 years if people still cared and then we're like here's the original (laughs) uh the the we jokingly refer to it as the cave mix because um the house the that we recorded it at was the the venue they call it the cave um it used to be called the bean cave and then now it's just called the cave and that's where like that's where we recorded it so we we refer to it as the cave mix so maybe one day the cave mix will drop (laughs) It, it seems like that kind of first set of three songs is one of the ones that people are really pulling a lot of like the lyrics out like on um sometimes the i'm not emotive enough is this enough and then on uh humus uh, i feel like i've been vindicated and my voice is clear for the first time in my life which i mean yeah both great lines uh can you talk a little bit about kind of like that set of songs yeah sure i i i mean i think to me like 
this album kind of answers per or not answers purge i shouldn't say that it, it but it kind of picks up like right after you know it's like if you put on purge and then put on this right after it purge is you know it ends and then this one it starts with that hit just boom it starts after that fade out you know and then it starts again boom the next album starts so it's just kind of continuing on and like purge i don't know if i've ever really talked about this either so this i guess is something but the kind of story with purge at least the concept i guess as far as lyrics go is like me kind of having this realization that like something is going on like with my life and i need to change something or like something needs to happen and then you kind of phase from that into like what the songs are is kind of these like memories i guess kind of this just like moments throughout my life and then we come back to the beginning you know purge kind of starts where it ends and stuff like that and i was imagining the the last song of purge i was imagining it kind of like as a i don't know if you need to like trigger warn or anything but i was kind of imagining it as like a, a suicide of like you know i can't get this to stop i just want it to end boom and then that's the end of the album and so this album picks up that that didn't happen <laughs> it's like like i i've lived you know and i like awoken kind of in the present state of where i'm at and it's like you're kind of dissociated there and you're like in this like moment and you're like completely dissociated everything is happening around you is normal but you're just like lost there in that space and i always kind of imagine the opening line of like how long have i been standing staring at the floor i imagine myself standing in the church lobby like where i used to go to church like standing there and there's a bunch of people like milling around me and i'm just like standing staring out the front glass doors or whatever and then I head to the back, uh, back side of the church, and I look for like an empty Sunday school room, and I go in there, and I sit in there through the whole service, and then after the service, I go out the doors, and that's kind of the, you know, boom transition into uh, some place where it's like, now I step outside and at least I'm breathing. That's kind of what I imagine is like walking out of that church, um, and then with humus the the ideas of the lyrics behind humus is like feeling like whenever you whenever you start transitioning it's like you feel like whenever you get to a certain point in transition everything's gonna like be fixed and like it's just kind of not true it's like transition is like transition but addressing your depression or your anxiety that's like a separate thing so it's like i kind of got to this point in transition and i'm still dealing with all the same stuff that i've kind of always dealt with you know so it's like i feel like i've been lied to that you know that kind of stuff i don't know i don't want to talk too much more directly about like this is what this means to me but I, I like everyone to have their own interpretations but as far as some things that i think about with those songs that's definitely it yeah and i feel like all of that is kind of also wrapped up in the grand finale of uh fail and fall which mm -hmm. is kind of like this almost like a magnum opus to the album you know six minutes spanning track can you talk a little about how that one came together uh yeah that one the that one was um the last one that we put together uh and we kind of put that one together more as a band um than anything we've really ever done before 
the last two songs. So um, present tense, the you know that real soft one, and then fail and fall. We kind of jammed those out and put them together. I had the main kind of riff that ding 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 that you know that guitar riff that loops at the end. I had that together, and that was really it. And I knew I wanted it to shift from like this kind of minor verse to like a big a major chord like you know like happy sounding kind of chorus um chord progression like i had that idea in mind and we just started jamming on it and it it really came together cool uh when jake on drums was like playing started playing the over the opening chords like he started playing this really straight kind of um, do do got to do do got to, and it's not at all like what I was imagining, but that's how it always kind of happens. He'll just come in with something so straight and so just like four four and like straightforward that in it it like shocks me, but it's like okay that works perfect I guess like you know <laughs> what I mean like I I expect I I hear something busier or something a little bit more odd metered or something, but he just comes in so straight and it's like it works great and. We were just working on that song a lot. It was hard to put together because it it was just kind of like part, 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 like all the songs were, but I didn't have it written. So like I couldn't like demo it out for them and like, like show it to them. Like this is exactly what it is. So we were trying to figure out how many times we're doing this, how many times we're doing that. What is that there? Where are you going here? It took so long to put those last two songs together, really. Um, but they're, they're maybe my two favorite. I usually say present tense is my favorite one. Uh, I like that one a lot, but I, I think actually the last two might might be my favorite just because they were so fun to to build up together. Um, kind of just from like this idea of like, I want a long one and I want it to kind of end and then have this long crescendo to end it. You know, I wanted to repeat that line is really when... Um, when that song became like solidified or like more confirmed, like, yes, this is going to be the closer. This is, this is going to be a record. So it was that, is there beauty in my ruin? Like that, that section of um, lyrics, whenever I came up with that, I was like, okay, this will be the part that, that we repeat over and over. And I, I hope that that part, whenever we play it live, I hope everyone is like screaming that like big time because, uh, yeah, it means a lot. I mean, th- those words kind of mean a lot to me, I guess. Yeah, I feel like uh, live, that'll be awesome. And like very much kind of deal with like the the catharsis aspect of right. the band. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I hope so. It would be awesome. Can't wait to play shows again. And then I always like to wrap up the same way, which is by just asking for a piece of advice or something you've been thinking about lately that you want to share, whether it's music or life or whatever else. Oh, man piece of advice goodness i would say so i was listening to i was listening to an episode of the e-word recently uh not the one that that we were on but (laughs) (laughs) a different one and they were talking a lot about twitter and about numbers and about um stream stream health of albums and about all that kind of stuff and my advice on anything related to that if you're an artist listening to this is to just write another song just stop thinking about it 
and just write your next song. And after you write that one, just write your next one after that and just keep writing. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I feel like uh, that makes a lot of sense coming from you because like, I feel like that's what, you know, kind of the transition from Purge into this is kind of all about. Yep. <laughs> yeah, just uh, keep writing. And also, uh, you know, honor what you liked as a kid because you were probably right. And <laughs> the world has a way of convincing you that you were stupid as a kid. Uh, but usually you're not. So like whatever, like new metal or rap rock or whatever you liked as a kid, listen to it again now because you'll probably be surprised at how much like is there that you're pulling or playing and all that kind of stuff. It's very, it's very interesting. And there we go. Thanks so much to Gigi for taking the time to talk and really get down to the nitty gritty of what I feel is a special album. If this shed some light on a release you already love or inspired you to check it out, I've done my job. I'll catch you back next week with another great conversation and can't wait to see you here. Find the Call is brought to you by Sound Talent Media. A special thank you as always to The Alternative for helping to promote the show, Kaylin West of Tiny Stills for the theme song, and Michaela Jane for the artwork. You can keep up to date by subscribing to the podcast and following the show on Twitter and Instagram at FlyOnTheCallPod. Feel free to email any questions, comments, or other feedback to me at FlyOnTheCallPod at gmail.com. You don't owe anyone anything. Fly on the call. Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time on Tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with industry pros about what it's like living out their wildest dream and in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of NoFX, Pennywise, Bad Religion, and more. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com.